The programming language that you should know as a marketer with AJ Wilcox. Martech Stacked, episode number seven. Brought to you by Content Cow. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain. And each episode, I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. Joining us for episode seven is a man who for the past six years has focused on one of the most difficult online advertising channels to get right, LinkedIn. Now he's one of the world's most renowned LinkedIn advertising experts as well as being a LinkedIn course instructor and host of the LinkedIn ad show. Welcome, AJ Wilcox. Thanks so much, I'm excited to be here. Great to have you on AJ. And of course you can find AJ over at b2linked.com. So AJ, explain what your business does and how you use marketing technology to make it better. Yeah, well, quite simply, we're an ad agency that literally LinkedIn ads is all we do. Wow. And as many of you may know, if you're in marketing, uh, LinkedIn ads is incredibly expensive, but also features the very best targeting and segmenting that you could ever hope for, especially if you're in business to business. I mean, we can target people by super granular things like their titles and their level of seniority and by company size, et cetera. And so with that precision in targeting comes our ability to track and attribute in ways that just can't be done on any other ad channel. So the data that we are generating becomes extremely powerful. Um, but when you have good data, you, you need to make use of it. And so that's where marketing technologies come into play for us. We've built a custom reporting engine that gives incredible insights into what we're doing on LinkedIn ads, breaking it down by all kinds of different dimensions. But then we have to process that in ways that actually deliver insights and aren't just dropping us more data. So a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the MarTech that we're going to be talking about here is a lot of what I would call data tech uh, as well, but it certainly applies to anyone in marketing who's willing to get a little bit technical. Okay, so an agency that just focuses in on LinkedIn ads, what would you say are the pros and cons of just focusing in on a very niche proposition, a very niche um, advertising tool uh, as an agency? Well, it's really easy to become well-known. It's really easy to build a personal brand around a single channel uh, because there are quite a few people that if you just say, if you just bring up LinkedIn ads in conversation, there's no one else out there who's you know being loud about it. And so immediately comes to mind, they'll go, ooh, AJ Wilcox or B2Linked. Um, so it's been really helpful in getting, uh, getting business up and running, getting a lot of leads very quickly. Um, but we have disadvantages compared to other agencies who can just... Uh, add on multiple channels where, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll lose bids to companies who go, we know that you would do better with our LinkedIn ads, but we don't want to have, you know, six different reps to go to when we have questions. We just want that one chokeable throat. And so they'll go with a, a, a generalist agency that, uh, you know, will will do everything, even if it's mediocrely, just so they have one point of contact. And what would you say the, the general trend is? Would you say the general trend is for clients to be willing to use different agencies for different platforms or um, to go towards an agency that, uh, that that does more than one thing? It, it seems to me like more and more people are 
uh, happier going to an individual specialist and just managing more relationships. Uh, of course, you know, my world is the only reason that people come to me is when they, they want help with just their LinkedIn. Um, but that's what it seems like to me. It seems like people are valuing performance over convenience. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you know, as more and more businesses get comfortable with different technologies and what these technologies can do for their business, they're, they're more able and willing to ensure that they get optimum performance for the different channels that, 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 they're, that they're focusing in on. But, but let's bring it back to your own business and, and marketing technology. So, so just in summary, what parts of your business would you say are working really effectively at the moment thanks to marketing technology? Uh, well, I definitely think that our ads management is going extremely well. Um, we've actually built our own set of like internal tools to manage LinkedIn ads in bulk uh, because we, we've looked at agencies who do Facebook ads and Google ads and, and Bing ads, and they've got Google ads editor, Bing ads editor, and, uh, and can do all these things very, very effectively. We've built our own to, to try to mimic those at scale. But on the data side, like I talked about, we generate all of this super rich data because of this ultra tight and segmented targeting. And then we're looking for insights. So we're playing in a lot of data sources. We're doing a lot with dashboards in Excel, uh, in CRMs, with APIs, so that we can understand, you know, in ways that no one else could tell a client, here's what's working, here's what's not, here's how to tune your efforts even across all of your other channels. So I'd say those are the two areas that we're uh, Firing on all cylinders. Okay, great. Well, <laughs> towards the end of the uh, end of the conversation, we'll get into maybe what areas of your business uh, you would like to make even more efficient using market marketing technology. But um, let's get into the the core of the discussion, which is the the three key martech tools that you're using in your business at the moment. So, starting off with number three, what are your top three tools in your current martech stack, and why? Okay, perfect. Well, you gave me a really good. Uh, a good suggestion here. It's like, don't use the tools that everyone says. I, I don't want to be boring. So uh, certainly everything that you're imagining, we're already using as well. But um, putting them here in into priority order. Number three is Google Data Studio mm. with uh, Microsoft Power BI as well. Um, both of them are free and you can use them to visualize trends that you would miss, even if you were building a pivot table uh, to summarize performance every week. We saw this with our account managers where every Friday they generate a pivot table and they're looking at insights and it's cool, but they weren't ever comparing to the previous week to see if things were trending down or trending up. So now on a dashboard, we can see this and, and catch things before they become a problem. So I just finished a conversation with Kevin Gibbons, founder of ReSignal, an agency based in London, and his number one selection was Google Data Studio. Um, so uh, I'm certainly interested to see what your other selections are, but um, just focusing on Google Data Studio to begin with, um, were there any other similar platforms that you considered to begin with? Uh, yes. So we do use Data Studio. We started with it uh, and we've built all of our client dashboards based on it. Um, but just recently, I found Microsoft Power BI and uh, does pretty much the same thing, but it's a lot more powerful. And if you want to just use it for data discovery yourself, it's free. Like anyone can download it. Um, but if you want to publish a dashboard for your clients to see, that's only $20 a month per person who, who has, owns a license. And you could theoretically just have one license for an entire agency. So uh, anyway, I, I, I like both. I think eventually we're probably going to move to Power BI because it's a lot less buggy and a lot more powerful. But Data Studio, it just especially for us marketers who are dealing with a lot of Google data sources, there's easy plugins into things like uh, like Webmaster Tools. 
console, whatever they call it now, uh, but Google ads yeah. and Google analytics. <laughs> yeah. Search console. Thank you for bailing me out on that one. Um, so yeah, marketers, I think data studio is a great place to start and it's just indefinitely free. So Power BI by Microsoft, um, that sounds an appealing option, but is it just as effective to take in data from Google Analytics and Search Console? I believe so, at least for us. Um, Microsoft Power BI uh, can link very nicely to databases, and we hold all of our data in a database. So both that and Data Studio can do it. Um, but I think it's going to be easier if you're pulling all of these Google sources because Data Studio is already built for that. Um, but I believe both are very effective at either pulling data from a, a spreadsheet or uh, or from an API or from um, from a database. So I, I would imagine both are similar. Data Studio might just be a little simpler to get started. Okay. Great. Well, two really good options there for people to explore. Uh, Google Data Studio is the one that makes it in as number three for you. What is your tool number two? Yes. Okay, so number two, and this is, feels like a total cop-out, but it's CRMs. And the reason why is because LinkedIn ads, they cost so much more than every other channel. So if you're only measuring to a conversion, you're going to look at Facebook and say $5 conversion over there. And you'll look at LinkedIn and say, ooh, a $35 conversion there. Let's cut LinkedIn and send all of our spend to Facebook. So what the real value is for marketers is understanding how are the lead quality um, being scored in in them. And this is really key to, or I guess a CRM is really key to figuring this out because what we find is, yeah, LinkedIn's going to be more expensive on a cost per lead basis. But when you get down into the cost per marketing qualified lead or cost per sales qualified lead or cost per proposal, cost per close, all of a sudden LinkedIn starts looking really good. But you as a marketer, you have to have a good CRM uh, and you know maybe even something like lead scoring models to help you understand how those are graduating. And so you can actually track and attribute spend uh, to each stage of the funnel. So can I push you into disclosing maybe specifically what CRM that you're enjoying to use at the moment that you're finding links, <laughs> pardon the pun, very nicely with LinkedIn? Uh, yeah. So we will use whatever CRM our clients are using. Okay, okay. So we don't force anything on them. We don't have a preference. Um, what we find is if you have a Salesforce developer, uh, you can make Salesforce do anything. And mm. that's really nice to have that extensibility, that flexibility. Um, but most companies, if they can afford a Salesforce license, don't have someone full-time or even part-time to, to be that Salesforce admin. Yeah. Um, so we find that HubSpot has really good integrations into LinkedIn ads. So does Salesforce. Uh, so if you're using either of those tools, it's usually a, a pretty good play, but you can make about anything work. Okay, well, we had Lucas Selesny on episode number one, and one of the tools that he recommended was a CRM tool was Pipedrive. Um, have you worked oh. with Pipedrive before? No, I haven't. I've heard them as sponsors on all the podcasts okay. <laughs> I listen to, but don't have personal experience with them, unfortunately. Okay, okay. Well, um, CRM, you, you talked about HubSpot as being a useful tool potentially as a CRM, and that was tool number two. What is your tool number one? Okay, so tool number one is actually a language, and it's SQL. It's it's a uh, it's a query language to pull data from a database. And the reason why I bring this up is we store all of our ad data in a database. And if you understand even basic SQL, you can get access to whatever data you need very quickly and very easily. Uh, I would say the average marketer, if you don't consider yourself very technical or don't want to go and like learn databases and SQL, maybe that's too much for you. 
then uh, there are tools like Supermetrics and AdStage that will let you do this on a you know, fixed monthly fee to get access to your data in, in a lot more clean of a way. But I would also say if marketers can get technical and learn to access and interpret data, uh, we will find a lot more value for our companies and clients in ways that you will stand out against other marketers uh, or even technologies who might be looking to replace you. So uh, don't be afraid to get technical. Okay, I, I like that advice. Um, I'm not personally as technical now, probably, as I used to be, certainly in marketing in general when i started off doing things like designing web pages then i i maybe used um dreamweaver um, to begin with and you could see the WYSIWYG version um of, of of the designs you could see the design you could see the coding behind it as well and that helped me to learn basic html it also helped me to learn basic php as well um so the the initial web pages that i built actually i ended up uh, building my own php includes um to design common headers and footers for the different web pages so this is before wordpress existed and you just yes <laughs> david you're speaking my language yes <laughs> but you know i've maybe been lazy in, in in keeping up to date with things like um the the best practice uh, CSS nowadays because um, I remember years ago what I used to do was um, actually use tables and and you'll you remember this AJ I'm sure to actually create oh, yeah. things like uh, corners um, within a web page design um, so you thought about um, you probably designed the web page um, on a flip chart to begin with and figured out um, where your different columns would be your different sections of your web pages then you designed a table to to, to make the design happen <laughs> nodding away here and th there were fun days but then you know CSS came along and different technologies came along and I've now tended to rely a little bit more on things like lo lovely themes within WordPress or third-party tools such as Zapier to to link different technologies together, which means that I've not been so focused on the actual data itself. Would you say that that's, that's a mistake? Would you say it's a mistake for for marketers to rely too heavily on, on, on tools rather than actually the data within the tools? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, early on in my career, I, I had a very similar kind of path to you. Uh, I had a lot of experience building stuff in languages and tools that would become obsolete. But what I never lost from that, like I, I spent and wasted a lot of time uh, doing things like building uh, web page code from scratch, like not using a tool. Um, but I don't regret a single minute of that. And the reason why is now I understand the technology behind the tools that I use every day. And so I don't think anyone's ever going to regret uh, going back to the basics and learning something that is very like low level, very close to a technology, because even if tools change and even that, if you don't do that process anymore, you go on to use that tool and you'll always be able to look back and say, oh, if I see an error, I know why there's an error. It's because that kind of thing wasn't possible. Uh, and I know this is all sounding very ethereal, but I, I love like I, I love wasting my time on low level stuff that will be replaced later um, because I'll understand the tools later a lot better. Yes, yeah, I, I love that as well because not because it's the best use of your time at that moment in time, but because you're actually taking the time to really understand the intricacies, it, it'll actually make it more efficient when you come to to automate things in the future. And you, you'll be able to be very specific about what you can op automate and how you go about doing it. And then you can select the tool to provide the automation on your behalf. Oh, yeah. And then even taking that a step further, uh, we see that 
you know, a lot of our tasks, a lot of the button pushing, those tasks are going to be automated by tools anyway. But if you understand what goes into those tools, you will still be able to uh, use strategy and execute tactics in a ways that, that tools won't ever be able to. Like you'll coach your human brain to solve problems that a computer just can't. And other people will get left behind if they're not willing to keep up. Uh, but you as a marketer, you will always be valuable if you understand these things. Absolutely. Well, talking about strategy, I'd love to get a feel for your ongoing content marketing strategy yourself as uh, as a business, as an agency, um, w what you actually do, uh, how often you publish content, how you go about deciding the content that you publish, uh, and then how your marketing technology actually integrates with that. So how your tools support what you're trying to achieve. Ooh, I like it. Um, our content marketing strategy is, is very much... Uh, nebulous <laughs> and the reason why is because I, my team is writing blog posts for our blog and this this is recent but up until then i was the only one who is creating content and so i'm trying to run a business and i'm trying to uh create content and i'm trying to do sales I, i'm trying to do a lot of different things and i can't create nearly the level of content that i want to so what I have started doing. Oh, and go ahead if you've got a question on. No, that's good. That's thing. good. Um, so yeah, you're just about to say, um, uh, possibly explain the, the why you choose to decide the content that you're doing. I mean, I'd, I'd like to get a flavor of, I guess, how you go about researching and deciding upon the content that you you do end up publishing, and whether or not um you've got content that fits into a bigger picture, or you tend to just to focus on blog type contents on an ongoing basis. Yeah, so I started out life as an SEO, not life, but my career. And because of my my experience in SEO, it's really hard to get away from keyword research. Mm. So when I very first started the company, I went in to answer the public and I took stock of every like logical good question that people were asking about LinkedIn ads. And I, I sought to write a blog post or create content that answered each one of those questions. And now that's pretty much done. Like for all the basic questions, I have a good answer out there that I can point people towards and that search engines can find. So, you know, now it's actually really hard when someone comes and says, do you want to write a guest blog post for us? I go, ooh, that's going to be really hard for me to think of what kind of topic can I write about or cover that I haven't already. So and so what I do is I'm always thinking about what's the thing I'm most excited about with LinkedIn ads or the, the, the question du jour that people a lot of people are asking me and they get confused on and i try to go down that rabbit hole to create content so it sounds like what you did was you started off to begin with by focusing on keywords and and, and getting the right questions answered uh, incidentally actually have you read the book they ask you answer by marcus sheridan oh no i love marcus sheridan but i haven't read his book because uh, i'm not a big reader but um, if there's an audio version, I'll totally consider. No, no, I, I, he, he actually recorded a couple of months ago a new version of the audiobook. You should get the new version of the audiobook, yes. not the not the old one. The old one was narrated by by someone else, not him. And the new one contains a lot about video and is is done by him. So de definitely get that. I, I was just asking because your strategy of just answering every conceivable customer question about LinkedIn advertisers, uh, LinkedIn advertising seemed very much like what, what he advocates. Uh, and then it sounds like after that, what you did was you moved on to building brand, uh, building your own personal brand uh, and your also business brand. Is, is that something that you intentionally decided to do? Yeah. And in fact, uh, it's personal brand has definitely taken a front seat and the company brand has taken a back seat. I found very early on, it was very easy to 
to be ha- to get LinkedIn ads associated with the name AJ Wilcox, but no one had ever heard of B2 linked. And I was okay with that. It got me on stages. It got me as a guest on podcasts and things. Um, but now I'm looking at it going, Ooh, I, how am I going to adequately start giving B2 linked the brand more credibility? And that's something I'm going through right now. So if anyone has ideas, let me know. I'm, I, I would like to make that process happen, but it, it's really hard when, you're the one out there speaking and names kind of stick. I mean, you obviously started a podcast um, two, two or three months ago. How, how's that going? And is that something that you're doing to try and actually market your business brand a bit more effectively? Yeah, I really, I love podcasts. I mean, obviously we're talking here and we, we've done podcasts together in the past. It's just one of my favorite mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I've always wanted to do. And at, in the past, I was thinking, okay, a whole podcast just about LinkedIn ads. I know there are podcasts about Facebook and about Google, but LinkedIn ads just seems too niche. I don't know if I'm ever going to see value there. And I was talking to Michael Stelzner, who runs the Social Media Marketing Podcast, and he said, hey, are you going to start a podcast? And I kind of described, I just don't think it's worth it. I think it's too niche. And he's like, it is very niche, and that's the reason you should start Mm -hmm. it. So he, he kind of prodded me along. As how it's been going, I mean, I, I just recorded episode 20 last night, and it is so much more work than I thought it was going to be. So uh, cheers to you, because I know you do this all the time. Um, but I, I, I thought, oh, I, I speak on stage all the time. I, I hop on webinars and answer questions. This will be so easy to talk into a microphone for you know 30 minutes at a time. But I find that it takes me about four hours of planning, mm. uh, where I plan every topic that I want to hit to make sure each episode's complete. Um, and I told myself, I was like, I know for the first year, no one's going to listen to this thing. Uh, it, it's going to maybe slowly gain steam, but uh, for the amount of work I'm putting into creating it, it, it will, at least for the first probably year, uh, I will be disappointed whatever the stats say. Yeah. That, and that's LinkedIn actually came. <laughs> yeah. You you have you have to have or you should have that attitude to begin with as podcasting. And I've produced well over five hundred different podcast episodes and edited um, them all myself, essentially. And it it is a challenge to do, and you should certainly only do it if you if if you love doing that. But it's 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 a wonderful medium to do. But it's a it's a it's a long term um, brand building type opportunity and if you look at your stats to begin with it's it's very difficult to even drive your own audience to get them to be subscribers you almost have to um to, to, to resell them over time to subscribe to your podcast um i mean just one last question in relation to your podcast uh, you talk a lot about planning beforehand do do you only do episodes by yourself do you never have a guest on do you ever intend to have guests on yeah, really good question. I designed early on. I, I was thinking, you know, every podcast has guests. And when you do that, it's so easy to create content for it. Um, but I, I was thinking, and honestly, on, on one hand, I can count the number of LinkedIn experts that would be worth interviewing. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't want to ever say, oh, well, how about I bring on potential clients and talk to them? Because that just feels like used car salesman slimy. And that's not what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided early on it was going to be a solo cast, except I have access being a LinkedIn partner. Um, I, I have these regular conversations with LinkedIn's product uh, managers and, and engineers. And so I said, okay, this will be a solo cast, except once per month, I'm going to have an employee of LinkedIn come on and, and it'll be an interview style there uh, just so they can share what's cool and, and you know technical about their own product. Um, so 
maybe in the future I'll, I'll see about having other guests. But as of right now, it's solo cast with the occasional LinkedIn employee. And do you record it on video as well? I don't do video. Uh, I'm sure all of you can tell I've got a face for no, radio. So I, I've been <laughs> I've been very afraid to turn on the camera just because it adds additional complexity. Um, but I certainly wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't hate that idea later on. Right now, I just know that dealing with the audio is tough enough. But, but, yeah, I, I completely agree with starting off with audio only because you, you've got to be very comfortable with the microphone, with speaking around the microphone and, and coming across as, as well as you possibly can audio only. But you, you've also done a lot of podcasts as a guest. So I, I would suggest maybe thinking about turning the camera on and not necessarily intending to use the whole video, but perhaps taking a three or four minute section from the video uh, and then turning it into a video with captions on it and using that segment within LinkedIn uh, and then maybe promoting and using that to promote your podcast. Oh, that is good advice, David. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I will take you up on that advice. That's really, really good. Okay, that's great. We touched upon earlier on in the discussion uh, an area of your business that was working really efficiently thanks to marketing technology. But as your business grows, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? All right, so this one's embarrassing because I actually have a good tool for this. I have Agora Pulse. Uh, I've, I've got a great subscription to that that can post to every network um, with every conceivable feature, you can schedule it out. You can upload things in bulk, uh, but I still share socially manually, mm. and I have a, a, I have my assistant help me with it sometimes. But that's one area that I would like to get better at uh, in the near future. I would love it if we had an actual content calendar, and I knew when I was going to be sharing what, and I could be testing uh, on different networks, different ways of writing the copy and increasing click through rates and and comment rates and things like that. So right now, that's what is being done manually. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Ian Anderson Gray, and he was saying that um, he started off with just, just manual posting of everything. And um, he really focuses a lot on social media now. And, you know, he's, he's, he's started to use different tools now. But uh, it, it's, it's no um, issue with starting every, things like that manually, because then, again, you're figuring out what works best at, at, at different platforms. And I guess, unless you're doing uh, a reasonable amount of social posting, then you're not getting the value out of a, a social media dashboard. Yep. And I agree with that. And, and like we talked about before, I love the idea of doing things manually. So later when they're automated, you can actually appreciate what's happening and you'll be more customized. I'll, I'll know what works on LinkedIn versus Twitter because I did it manually and now I can you know, do those things programmatically. Okay, great. Um, so I asked you some questions that I didn't prep you about beforehand. Uh, I like doing that. But here's one I did prep you about beforehand. And that is, um, what is something that um, you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that perhaps doesn't even exist yet, but you would love to see created? Ooh, uh, this one's cheating a little bit because it is our tool. But uh, I'll kind of lay the background here. Uh, every other platform out there lets you do what's called day parting or ad scheduling. Uh, where you can say, hey, I don't want my ads running in the middle of the night. And maybe I have a sales team who's only in the office during our business hours. So I only want our ads running when someone could feasibly get to sales if they wanted to. Um, LinkedIn doesn't have any sort of like a day parting technology built in. And they also don't even have hourly reporting. So they're not even telling their advertisers what hours of the day uh, are better and which hours are worse to be advertising, whether weekends are good or not. Uh, we have to kind of figure things out ourselves. So 
as part of our uh, our LinkedIn ads bulk tool suite, uh, we came out with scheduling and currently that's in beta. Um, so anyone who's listening, if you're spending a significant amount on LinkedIn and want to test doing things like turning off in the middle of the night or turning off on weekends and see if that improves your performance, uh, I'd love to have you as a beta tester. But, um, you know, we'll have that as a tool coming up here pretty soon as like a freemium model. But that's the one that I, I always wished we had. And so I went and built it. Wow, that seems pretty significant that LinkedIn doesn't have that baked into their platform because anyone used to using uh, AdWords, um, then they're certainly comfortable and, and used to using micro-targeting, um, you know, obviously devices, but um, very specific hours that are, are, are best for their business. Is this the type of targeting that um, you've heard LinkedIn themselves discussing about potentially incorporating in their platform at some point in the future as well? Yeah, I've been asking them for this for years and years. I've asked for hourly reporting. I've asked for the ability to target by uh, by device. I've asked for for scheduling. And for the last four years, uh, every time I talk to them, they just go, eh, that's not even on our roadmap. Like, we just don't care. That's not something we talk about. And just in this last year, uh, I've heard them at least a couple times say, yeah, we've been having discussions about that, which Usually when they say that means I'm going to see it about a year and a half later. So uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll beat them to the punch and our tool will be the one that everyone uses instead of LinkedIn. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you're hoping. Um, AJ, we've discussed a lot really in, in the last half hour or so as, as part of um, episode seven of Mar Martech Stacked. Is there anything specifically that you've shared that you think that... Um, listeners should actually take away and, and really think about it a little bit more or you, you could feel like uh, bringing in another point as a takeaway here if you'd, if you'd like as well. Yeah, I think the one takeaway here is uh, as a marketer, make sure that you are getting technical, make sure that you have those technical skills so that you can't be replaced by software. Um, I, I think it's well worth your pursuit, even if you don't call yourself a, a technical person. And then I would also say uh, never stop learning. Because in digital marketing, things go so dang quick. And if you ever sit back and say, great, I, I've got it. I'm going to rest on my laurels. You'll get passed by. And it's really hard to see as someone who's been a manager and a mentor. Uh, it's hard to see digital marketers get left behind and not have any idea where they're going and then get into bad financial straits later. So uh, my, my plea to you is, as a digital marketer, keep learning, keep developing, keep growing. Never let that hunger die out. Love it. Thanks so much for your time and your tips. Um, AJ, what's the best way for the listeners to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Just search AJ Wilcox and I'm uh, the only chubby ginger there, probably. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to get in touch, the easiest way is just go to our website, b2linked.com that you can see here on screen. Fill out the form on any of the pages and you won't go to a sales rep and you won't be put on our newsletter. It just goes directly to my inbox and I'm not a sales guy. So feel free to reach out, ask whatever you need. Obviously. And, and you're not a video podcaster quite yet because when you say things like referring to um, the link on the screen most people will be consuming this show as a, an audio episode so of course Good uh, point. You can, uh, <laughs> just go to btlink.com ag thank you so yes. much for being uh, on the show david thanks so much for having me it's been a pleasure and thank you dear listener for joining us if you haven't done so already sign up for your free trial of content cal plan collaborate on approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface plus check out all the other martech stack show episodes over at contentcal.io also wherever you're watching or listening to this show let us know your opinion what are the three most important marketing technologies in your business let us know 
and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.